learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. All right, everyone in a hiring capacity has made a wrong hire in their career. And I believe that is a direct result of hiring for skills first. So here's the scoop. A person's skills can change, but you can't change who they are. And technical abilities are not a clear indicator of passion for work. Today's quote, values should underpin vision, which dictates mission, which determines strategy, which surfaces goals that frame objectives, which in turn drives the tactics that tell an organization what resources, infrastructure, and processes are needed to support a certainty of execution. And you know who said that, don't you, Mr. Dave Kinnear? Well, let me see. Scratch my head and think. I believe that was Mike Myatt back in 1988. Wow, there we go. And I'm Rick Gerard. Welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Our mission is to help entrepreneurs and business leaders avoid costly hiring mistakes by identifying a specific problem and providing proven solutions to enable your company to win the right hire. We share insights from top performing rebel entrepreneurs, disruptors, and industry experts like our guest today, Mr. David Kinnear. He is an executive mentor and group chair of Vistage International. Dave is a business advisor, mentor, and executive leader coach. Through his affiliation with Vistage Worldwide, Dave convenes and facilitates peer advisory boards, business owners, company presidents, general managers, and chief executives dedicated to becoming better leaders who make better decisions and achieve better results. Dave is also an executive to executive mentor to executive MBA students at the UCI Paul Mirage School of Business and coach for the Center of Entrepreneurship at Cal State University Fullerton, which is what makes David the perfect expert for today's topic. David, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Well, thank you for having me. Today, we're going to discuss why skills-based interviewing is dangerous. We're going to talk about values alignment and why that's critical to your hiring success and then provide you a framework for successful interviews. Sound like a plan? Sounds like a plan to me. All right, let's do that. So let's talk about skills because I feel like, and you feel the same way we've had this conversation, a lot of people hire for skills first. Why do we do it? Well, why we do it is because it's easy. Yeah. Yep. I can go onto LinkedIn I can search for profiles with certain skill sets and people pop up and I think, wow, they've got the aptitude for what it is I want. However, the problem is we have no idea if they're going to fit long term within our company because the truth of the matter is if there's a mismatch in the values between the company and I don't mean the values that are on the coffee mug or the banner in the cafeteria. I'm talking about the real values that we live as an executive team every day. Those values and the values of the person I'm going to hire don't match. Mm -hmm. uh, not going to last. And we won't be enthusiastic. You're preaching in the choir on this one. You know, and I think that's why a lot of companies' retention is, is a big thing, but it's also very poorly executed today. I read a statistic that 53% of jobs that are being filled right now are refill jobs. Refill jobs. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. And that's very expensive. Yeah, it is. So what do we need to do in the interview process that will get us to a point where we can actually understand something outside of skills? Well, the truth of the matter is you have to just start asking questions 
that allow the prospective employee to respond in a way that reveals their values, how they make decisions about what they do and when they do it, rather than just talking about, can you do the skills-based part of this job? Because otherwise, you're not going to find out what their values are and how they match. But before you even go there, you really need to understand truly what are the values of your organization. And i got to be honest with you, almost everybody I talk to that's in a leadership position aren't really clear on that. They haven't really done the work. Yeah, and I find that there's a disconnect between the culture of what the leaders think it is and what the rest of the organization feels it is. Yeah, and the problem there could very easily be that depending on the environment you have, people are worried enough about are they going to make the right decision that they don't make the decision and everything lands on your desk as the CEO, business owner, leader. And then you keep making the decisions so the values are your values. How hard is it or how easy is it to sit down and just do the work to figure out and determine your corporate values? I mean, you probably sit down with leaders all the time. And do that. Yeah, not easy. And depending on how large the organization is, it'll take a long time to figure it out because the decisions being made below you are sometimes not visible to you until it's way too late. And today we want to push all the decisions down as far as we can into the organization where the information comes in, resides. So I want everybody thinking and I want everybody making decisions, but those decisions have to be made based on the values that I want the organization to have. Okay, but if you're a small company and you really don't have a whole lot of structure, how much work do you need to put in to be able to get that? So that's my major job as the business owner and the CEO, is to actively manage the corporate culture. And that means making sure the values are lived. So it starts with me. I have to make sure I know what my values are, where they came from, why I have them, why they're good for the business and then hire people to match that culture so I no longer have to worry about the values and the culture matching. Yeah. That's hard work. Most people don't do it. It is. But to sit down and actually think about what those values are and get them down on paper and make sure that everybody else knows them mm -hmm. and putting that into practice is really not that difficult. Once you've done the hard work of saying, yes, these are the values, okay. it's not. Then you have to keep holding people's feet to the fire the way I see that being done is asking the question occasionally. That's a really interesting decision. What value of our corporation does that support? So what are the values exactly? Depends on the organization. Some what I call MBA companies are very KPI oriented. They're not people oriented particularly. They only are involved with people to the extent that they need the people to make the KPIs. So those values are very clear. Could be profitability, could be revenue generation, could Numbers be... Numbers-driven organizations. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Could be that. So basically, your values are your management decisions. Yes. Decisions are made based on values. And culture is defined as the way things get done around here. Sure. And the way things get done around here are we make decisions, which are based on values. So the decisions are going to be wrong as far as the organization is concerned, if the values aren't being lived up to. 
Got it. You're listening to Rick Gerard. This is the Higher Power Radio Show. And for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Check out what we do at stridesearch.com. There you'll find additional content, resources, and information on how you can book me for your next meeting or conference. Today, our guest is Dave Kinnear. David is the executive and group chair of Vistage International, and we're talking about hiring for values. So we've just talked a little bit about kind of why it's important to hire for values. Now we're going to kind of help you to put that into practice. So how do we hire for values? What process or what do we need to put in place in the interview process to get somebody on the right track. So you think about your values, you name them, and then you ask questions that are open-ended questions that allows the prospective employee to respond in a way that reveals how they make decisions. So we're talking about behavioral questions. That's exactly right. And then I reverse engineer, in my own mind, what they do, what they say. So when they respond to me, the first question I have in my mind is, hmm, I wonder what values Rick must have for him to have made that decision. And then if I can peel that onion back enough to understand what that value is that caused that decision, then I can look and say, now does that value match our corporate values? You can also design those questions in and around what that particular corporate value is. For Absolutely. example, Amazon does this really well. Mm -hmm. So they have their leadership principles. And of course, the leadership principle, the first one is customer obsession. So they will actually ask you questions. We have one interviewer who's judging you based on that criteria. And so they'll ask you questions about what good customer experience means to you, no matter what your customer is. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. But look at the hard work that went on up front. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was not easy. For a small company where everybody wears multiple hats, you got to start finding out what their broad brush values are around all of the criteria that you have for your company. So if you're a small company, how many criteria do you need to have, though? Maybe three, four? Well, the trouble is I'm making decisions in three or four different disciplines, yeah. right? So I have to make sure those values cross over. Okay. So I keep asking questions for example, the one you just used, that aren't just focused on the customer, because on top of that, I may have a responsibility for some of the profitability decisions that are being made, depending on where I am in a small company, because we wear multiple hats. Sure. So it gets to be a little more complicated even. Okay, so we're going to uncover the person's values. How do we do that in an interview? So we're asking behavioral questions. Yep. And we're trying to extract the data out that actually gets to the core of who that person is as opposed to what skills they have. Yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, I don't think you're even sitting in that chair if you don't have the technical skills, the technical competencies that I need for the job. So I want to hire for attitude. I don't want to worry too much about the aptitude that you have that is the technical competency because I can train that. I can't train the values. I mean, you either have them or you don't. Yeah. You're going to either live up to those values or you're not. And under pressure, you're going to revert to your own values. You're going to make decisions based on what you're most comfortable doing. So I have to put you under a little bit of stress maybe to make sure you're answering questions truthfully. I try to go outside of the formal interview, maybe have you in a lunch environment or a dinner environment to see how you interact with other people. So there's more that goes into it than just asking values-related questions. I like the idea of putting kind of 
somebody under a little bit of stress right. so that you're actually getting a more truthful answer. Here's the thing with behavioral interviews too that I find is really interesting is that people don't prepare for them. They're not really prepared to answer those questions. So you're getting probably a more honest answer out of them than you would if you give them the canned interview questions. Like, where do you want to be in five years? As opposed to walk me through a time you did this. And that should be directly tied to one of your corporate values so that essentially you're getting to the truth. The other thing is, I find it's really important to keep asking why. Why did you approach it that way? You got to dig on these. You really do. I got to push you to the point where if I say why to you one more time, you're going to poke me in the nose. <laughs> so, <laughs> so 10 to 20 whys are not a bad thing. Yeah, not a bad thing. Yeah. Why did you approach down. it that way? Well, okay. Did you think about doing it any other way? I find one place where people get in trouble is they ask the leading questions. So do you feel you're good at this or this? And I think that's dangerous. Yeah, very dangerous. I try very hard not to ask leading questions or what we call embedded solutions in the question. <laughs> I try very hard not to do that. Or leading the witness, is yeah, that what we call it when you're on the stand? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Did you see him stab him or shoot him? <laughs> that's not a good thing. We have a tendency to do that sometimes. It's really easy in the interview process just to keep it simple. Not only that, be quiet. Yeah, ask, ask the, question the question and shut, shut up. up. <laughs> exactly. 100%. Yeah, we have a, a saying around the Vistas community that we have to let the silence do the heavy lifting. That's 100% on par, right? You have to let it sit there. I learned early in sales, like when you ask a question, if you're the first one to speak, you're going to lose that interaction. Totally. Yeah. You're going to come out on the wrong end of the negotiation. Absolutely. The guy who puts out the number first loses. That's so true. I remember sitting on a phone call with somebody one time. I asked them a question. They didn't answer for like over a minute. It was really uncomfortable, but I'm like, I'm not going to say anything. Then finally went, hello? And then I just asked the question again, and then he started going. Yeah. It's hard to do that. It is. We don't like silence between us. Somebody's got to jump in and fill that silence. I tried to make sure it's not me. Yeah. I think that's really important as, a, as an interviewer to make sure that you just do a lot more listening and a lot less talking. And there's a tendency for hiring managers, too, to go into sales mode pretty hard. Let me tell you all about our company. The problem that I find with that is once you start feeding people information, then they start tailoring their answers to fit all that. Yeah. I like to say, I'm sure you've looked up our company. What questions do you have? And then based on those questions, I can get a feel for where they are, how much research they've done. If they haven't done any, probably not somebody I'm interested in. Yeah, absolutely. If you don't prepare for the interview, don't expect to get hired. Right. Yeah. You should at least get some coaching. So they make it past the values point. What do you do then? Oh, assuming they have matched as far as I can tell our values, I'm going to hire them. I've already got the technical competency. That's a given. I take it as a given. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there. Yeah. Because that's an easy one to check off. Maybe it was Warren Buffett or somebody said they would hire based on accomplishment over skills all day long. Because people today want growth. They want to learn something new. As long as they have transferable skills, something that's similar and you can find that, that goes a long way in attracting a talented person. Yeah, here's where I think that's very critical and important to find out is I have this pet peeve that I want to hire somebody with five or 10 years experience in my industry. That's groupthink. That's terrible. I like what you say. I want you to do the same job here that you did somewhere else. Yeah. 
And the only thing that I bring of value is that I can pay you more money. That's really all you have in that situation. I, I totally agree. It's dangerous. It's very dangerous. So I want to get by that. And what I want to know, to your point, is what have you accomplished? Have you accomplished everything you want? Why would your joining us and our organization allow you to accomplish more of your dream that you want to accomplish of who you think you are as a person? And if I can get that out and get it on the table, I can make a decision fairly quickly whether or not this person is going to be realizing I'm paying them to think, not to do a job, not to follow orders. And here's orders. the thing. People will tell you how they're going to be successful if you they ask. Do. Yeah. They'll tell you exactly what they need to be doing in order for them to be successful in your role. Then all you have to do is just connect the dots. I totally Here's agree. the problem I solved for you. This role will actually get you to where you want to be. And it becomes a very easy process. I totally agree. If you agree. just do that one thing. Yep. We're getting a little low on time. What would be two or three key takeaways that you can give our audience that can plug into their business today? So to my way of thinking, go back to the Michael Myatt quote. Mm -hmm. Values underpin everything in your organization. So do the hard work to understand truly what your values are in the organization. So that's the first thing. Do that hard work. And an executive and coach would help you with that, right? An executive coach could help you with that. Yes, totally. An advisory, peer advisory board can help you with that. Sure. But it's important to do that. And again, another takeaway that I would suggest you might want to write down is that the CEO or leader of an organization really has only one job, one critical job, and that's to actively manage the corporate culture. Are people living up to the values do they understand clearly what the values are? Because if they don't, all that other stuff, the vision and the mission and the objectives, none of that matters because they're not based on a foundation. So repeat that. A CEO's function is to Has really only one critical job, which is to actively manage the organization's culture. Oh, boom. Anything else? The leadership team, the whole team in leadership has to believe in the values and have to live the values every day because our people watch us. They don't care what we say. They watch what we do. Absolutely. And if you have one rogue leader on board, oh my God, that screws up a culture. Yeah. You've heard about the one bad apple. Yeah. Spoils the barrel. You've probably hired one of those one bad apples yourself. <laughs> oh, I can't tell you how many times you make that mistake. Usually because I'm in a hurry and I hire to skills, not to attitude and values. Boom. And with that, we're out of time for today's show. David, thanks so much for your time investment today. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what's the best way in which members of our audience can find you, what you do, and maybe uh, check out your Vistage group? So you can find me on LinkedIn. Obviously, that's where most people go these days. You can find me at execleadercoach.com website. You can email me there as well. And we'll attach all that in the show notes. Excellent. So I want to thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team, our engineer, Christopher Decker, our producers, Andrea Ballin, Shanti Ryle, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. We're listening and we welcome your feedback. After all, this show is for you. Join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, that's H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com. Or you can drop me a line at Rick at stridesearch.com if you have any questions or comments. Tune in next week. Our guest is going to be Shafir Rama. He is the founder and CEO of Chatterworks. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. 
Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to recruitment success. Brett Jerome. 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 Jerome.